Welcome to the Av Youth Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to our latest messages and everything Av Youth related. We hope you enjoy today's episode. But I'm excited tonight because we are continuing our series, What in the 2020. We should have the series graphic up there already. Boom. Um, but yes, guys, I'm so excited. And actually, band, before I even move on and transition from you guys, where's Mary? Mary, do you think I can say what we have in the works? Yes? Okay. So what we have in the works, guys, is this. As you guys already probably know, our main worship team for New Beginnings Community Church, it's called New Community, released a few new songs. Um, they have two singles out right now on Apple Music and on Spotify and all the other places you can find music. But our own worship team, the team that was up there today, has been writing and creating our own worship songs. And starting at the end of October, I believe it's October 21st, we are going to come out and we're going to sing our very own song that Mary and the team wrote together. And I'm stoked because a little behind the scenes little look, this song that Mary and the team had started writing started in 2015. The song that we are about to release on October 21st that we're going to come out and start singing. So just get ready, guys. It's going to be a great time. Before I do move on, we have a few guests with us tonight. Wyatt and Miranda are with us today. Yeah. Wyatt Staggers, he is a, an amazing youth pastor out in Lake Elsinore. We share the same name, Avenue Youth. You guys should know him. We've done pastor swaps together. He's not only uh, a great youth pastor, but he's one of my best friends. <laughs> If you're here with your best friend, can you just, like, make some noise or something like that? All right, cool. Everyone should be, like, making noise because we're all best friends in the family of Christ. Um, <laughs> super cheesy. Let's move on, Charlie. Um, but I'm stoked to be here with you guys, and uh, I, I love being able just to, to come up and just share from the heart because I feel like tonight's message is going to be exactly that. Tonight's message has been something that I've been wrestling with. It's been something that I feel like a lot of us might be wrestling with through this time of quarantine and really just the whole entire year of 2020. And now if this is your first time with us, the first time being back after quarantine, um, we've been in this series called What in the 2020? And the main idea, the main theme of it is how this year has been a year that nobody else has ever experienced. It's been a year that nobody has gone through. It's been, there's been things left and right from the pandemic, from killer hornet bees, from Kobe Bryant dying, uh, from racial injustice to explosions. Like there's so much that's happened in the year 2020. And I started thinking about it and I thought to myself, you know what, this, this year is going to go down in our history books. That when we have kids one day, they're going to look in their history book and see the year 2020 and ask mom, dad, uncle, auntie, grandma, I don't know, um, what was it like in the year 2020? Because you lived through it. And it started to make me think, how are we going to be remembered in this year 2020? And the whole theme for this series is this. In the year 2020, do you want to look back and remember the time where you grew far and far away from God? Or do you want to look back and remember the 2020 being the year that you grew closer to God? And our hope and our prayer is that you grow closer to God. That's why we have Wednesday nights. That's why we meet. That's why we do the rewind. So there's content out there for us to be able to build our relationship with God. And tonight, we're going to look at a guy and a lady 
in the Bible named Samson and Delilah. Now, if you've been in kids' church, you probably already know the story of Samson and Delilah. You probably know it off the back of your hand. But tonight, I'm hoping that I can take it in a new direction that we've never seen it before. Because again, for the past three weeks, starting tonight, we've looked at people in the Bible that have their name written down in this history book that wish their names probably were never written in the Bible. And again, it goes back to the idea of, is that how you want to be remembered in the 2020? When we look back on the history of books, do we want to be remembered as one that grew closer or farther away from God? So if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write down the title of tonight's message. And the title of tonight's message is this, what could have been? What could have been? Now, if this is your first time with us, there's three things we like to say before every message. And it's three things just to kind of keep you up to date with who Avenue Youth is. The very first one is this. You don't have to believe. I'm going to say that one more time. You don't have to believe. There, I heard you in the back. Let's go. You don't have to believe to belong. Meaning this, you don't have to believe in Jesus to hang out with us on Wednesday nights. But our hope and our prayer is that after maybe even tonight or after a few weeks from now, you will leave one of these Wednesday nights with a relationship with Jesus, understanding that's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. The second thing is we are a note-taking group. You might see some people on their phones in the message. If they're on Instagram, just hit them upside the head. But you might see them on their notes or you might see them on, uh, with a notebook taking notes because we believe that here at Ave Youth we need to be taking notes. Boom, right here in the front. I love it. We need to be taking notes. And I know you're probably thinking, Charlie, I take so many notes during school. Yes, I get it, but this is actually interesting. This isn't like out math two. This isn't math one. Like I sucked at math, so I can say that. Yeah, come on. That's good. <laughs> I can end right there. But no, this stuff is stuff that can heal our souls. And then the third one is this, and this is probably the most fun one. We are a talk back group, meaning, yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Let's go. Uh, meaning this. If I say something or anybody says something that you agree with, you have the complete ability to be like, you can shout us down. You can be like, come on, that's good. You can say, preacher, white boy. You can, you can say what you want. It's funny, as I, every, every Wednesday night, I lock myself in the mother's room um, for about an hour going over this message. I'll go over it and go over it and go over it. And something dropped into my mind that I never thought about before when it comes to that third kind of pillar, that third identity of who Av Youth is and being a talkback group. Anywhere else in school, maybe even on your sports teams, maybe even your households, if you talked back, you'd get hit upside the head. Maybe not in school. That, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. But you would get in trouble. But here at church, we encourage it. So talk back. Shout us down. Let us know. Let us know you agree with whatever's being said. But again, tonight's message is what could have been. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into it tonight. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing. God, I pray right now, and we just, actually, first and foremost, we give you thanks that the weather's getting cooler, that I can come up here and wear a flannel and not sweat as much. But God, we pray right now that you just use this time to minister to us. You use this time to break down walls. You use this time to break down strongholds, God. I believe that tonight's message is going to be a message for somebody here tonight, as much as it was for me when I was able to write this down, God. God, we love you. God, we thank you. And it's your name we pray. We all said? Amen. So let me ask you this question. Now, I believe I've asked this question before, but the question is this. 
Have you guys ever been like hyped up for something to release? Like maybe it was like a new shoe, a new video game, a new song, the new Justin Bieber song, Holy, um, which is a really good song. I like it. Um, but have you guys ever like had that happen to you before? Just like raise your hand. You don't have to shout. They don't have to do anything. Right. Robert, what were you excited about for it to come out? What is it? How much is it? Only. We, <laughs> I, I have this conversation often. The most expensive pair of shoes I own are my cowboy boots, and I don't even have to buy them. So let that sink in. I wear Vans, and that's about it. So here we go. And I shop at Ross, but I'm a youth pastor, so that's just how it is. Um, but we can get hyped up for a lot of things. We can get hyped up, maybe, like I said, for a video game to release, for some $110 shoes to release, maybe something Supreme's coming out with, and we're like, oh, I need to get that new hoodie, even though it looks like the same one they come out with every single week. Uh, maybe it's like some new makeup, or like, oh my gosh, like Mac just put out a new foundation, and I need to get that, you know what I'm saying? It's just going to match my skin tone so good. Oh, I don't know why it like, just got real awkward, but like, we can get hyped up for stuff like that. I know for me, I know for me, the thing I get hyped up for the most is probably sports. So in that realm of sports, the thing I get hyped up the most about is when the new Madden gets dropped. Yeah, I know. The Madden 21 looks dope. But I get, no, Madden 20 or 21? 21. Um, Lamar Jackson's on the cover, right? That is a beast. But I get hyped up for it. But the thing is this. Every year... For the past, like, 20 years, I've been hyped up to buy the new Madden. That's, think about that. 20 years I've bought, with my parents' money, um, I've bought the new Madden for 20 years. And for the same 20 years, these video games right here, we had to go upstairs and grab it, uh, the Madden 15. This one has Richard Sherman on the front. But for 20 years, I would save money or I'd ask my parents, and they'd buy me this game. And for the past 20 years, they would always come out saying, oh, Madden is going to be completely different this year. Madden is going to come out, and they're going to have new, new systems. They're going to have new game styles. They're going to have everything's going to be new. It's not even going to be like Madden. Now, if you play Madden, you already know where I'm going with this. Every year, I spend money on the same stupid game that never comes out with anything new on it. They hype it up. They'll make a big deal about it, but for the past 20 years, it's been the same game just with different players on the front of it and just different teams and new ratings. It makes me so mad. And at times, we can get hyped up, or the culture around us can hype up something, like maybe it is a shoe, maybe it is an article of clothing, whatever it is, maybe it's a new song. They hype it up so much, and it just lets us down, just like how Madden lets me down pretty much every single year. And we get so hyped up, and then we start thinking to ourselves, at least I start thinking to myself, especially when it comes to Madden, I think to myself, man, what could have been if they actually said everything that was going to be new, there was going to be new game styles, there was going to be new features in this, like what could have been? This legit would have been the best Madden ever. Or maybe for some of you thinking about a movie, like this is going to be the greatest Star Wars ever. I don't know, I've never watched Star Wars. Yeah, I know, I have heresy, I'm sorry. Um... But, like, this new Star Wars that's coming out, it's going to be great. Or, like, when Disneyland just dropped uh, the Star Wars land and, like, all the rides were down, it was like, then what's the point? And we get hyped up for these things just to be let down, and we start thinking, man, what could have been? And tonight, 
I want to talk about Samson and Delilah. And specifically, like, hitting Samson's life. And let us think to ourselves, what could have been in Samson's life if he just continued following God? Because the thing we need to know about Samson is this. Samson from birth was raised a Nazarite, meaning he was like set apart for God. There were certain things that he had to follow. Don't drink wine. One of them was don't cut your hair. And you already know where this is going in Samson's story. But there were certain things, certain guidelines he needed to follow to be so in tune with God, to be set apart from everybody else in the world and be locked in with God. And if you know the story of Samson or if you don't know the story of Samson, he was hyped up. He was believed to be the savior of his people. He was going to be a great king, a great judge. And he stopped. He stopped pursuing that relationship with God. And now we look at his story and think, man, what could have been? What could have been in his life? Now, I don't know about you, but I want to make sure for everyone here, everyone watching on YouTube on Thursday right now, that this year, 2020, isn't the year of 2020 where we look back and think, man, what could have been with my life? Man, if I just stuck following God, if I didn't get in this relationship, if I didn't fall off the path that God had set for me, what could have been? And that's what I want us to ask tonight. Ask ourselves that question. Are we living a life right now that's setting us up for failure? Or are we living a life right now that when we look back, we're like, oh, no, I did good. I made it through. I had a strong relationship with God. And tonight we're going to look at Samson's life and see what not to do. I got three points for us. And the very first point for tonight's message is this. Truth over feelings. And this is going to be one that's kind of countercultural. It's not like anything. It's like you're supposed to be led by your feelings. Like you always see the, the Christian memes if you follow those pages. Like they always make fun of this like idea and this concept. Because we live in a generation, and I fall prey to this all the time, where I can get led by my feelings rather by truth. Where I can get led by feelings and I get myself hurt. And I feel like a lot of us especially, I'm not going to harp on you junior high students, but I feel like especially in junior high we can be like, we can be led by feelings. One day we see a girl and we're like, oh, my God, I think I'm in love. And the next day we see another girl we're like, oh, I didn't see you yesterday. You were the one God sent for me. I know it. I know it. And we get let, oh, I'll, I'll harp on the girls. I heard that's, that's boys. I'll get on the girls too. Don't, don't trust. <laughs> no, we don't have all night. Um, ah, some of y'all got that. I love outdoor services. We just get wild. Um, I kind of forgot where I was going. Boom, there we go. But we get led by feelings. And we will go off of our emotions rather than logic. And we see a lot of that today. We see a lot of that today. And we're going to read a story of Samson and Delilah. And we're going to see how both of these two people were led by emotions rather than truth. If you have your Bibles, go to Judges chapter 16. Judge, I'm, oh, this is going to be hard to read. Judges chapter 16, starting off in verse 4. I'm going to give you guys a few seconds. I'm just going to read from the TV again. This, this sucks. I don't like having not to be able to read from a Bible. Um, but Judges chapter 16, verse 4 says this. Actually, ooh, the wind stopped. Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. All right. Verse 4 says this. Sometime later, Samson, oh, by the way, I got like 12 verses to read, so just follow along with me. I know it's a lot, but just follow. Verse 4. 
Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistine went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it is, what it would take to tie you up securely. Verse 7, Samson replied, if I were to tie you up, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it is burned by a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Let's pause real quick, and I completely forgot. You can leave these verses up. I forgot to tell you. If you don't know the story of Samson, Samson is like the modern-day Hulk. Like, this dude is, is, is stronger than strong. And I want to I ask you guys this question, because I know a lot of us know this story, so I'm going I'm to start digging. When you think of Samson and how he's the modern-day Hercules, modern-day Hulk, kind of built like me, just strong. Um... I want to ask you this question, though. <laughs> Benny G, I will fire you from the leadership team. You're not even on staff. I'm playing. I love you. Um, <laughs> but when you think of Samson, do you think Samson was a big, strong, like, burly man, like your, mom, like your boy? Or do you think he was just like an average dude? Someone said average dude. A lot of times we can read the story of Samson and think, man, Samson, he was strong. Like, this dude must have been built. But realistically, when you really study the Bible, all the time when we go to kids' ministry, I'm not saying kids' ministry is bad, but they, they portray Samson as this strong dude. Or you see the movies, like the Bible Project. I love the Bible Project. It was a great series. But they had Samson come out, and he was this big, strong, burly guy. More than likely... He was just an average-looking dude. The Philistines that were trying to trap him had no idea where his strength came from. Tell me that. If you looked at someone and saw his strength, you would be like, oh, no, that dude's strong. He hits the gym. He hits like 500 on squat. Like, you know that dude's strong. But they're wondering, how was he so strong? More than likely, Samson was just a normal-looking dude. And so now we see Delilah trying to tie him up, trying to get him to not be able to fight back. And verse 11 says this as we continue reading. Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied them up with them. The men had hidden in the inner room as before. And again, Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have become to, or come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were a thread as if they were a thread. Then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. You lying. Now tell me, how can you be tied up securely? First and foremost, if you're in a relationship and your girlfriend or your boyfriend's asking, how can I tie you up securely? That is not gonna go in a good way. I'm just gonna throw that out there right now if you did not know that. All right, let's keep reading. <laughs> that's real, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, an, that's an amen. Um, Samson replied, <laughs> 
If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on the loom of the tight and tightened it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle again. She cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Now, verse 15, I love this part. Delilah pouted. Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. This gets even better. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. That story is so good to me. First off, I don't, I don't know how this ball got all the way over here. Um, but this story, I, I think it is such a great story. And again, if you're in a relationship and, and you're just getting nagged, it's, it's not a healthy relationship. But I'm just going to throw that there. Like when you look at Samson's life and you just look at the few texts that we just read, the scriptures that we just read, you would know right away like Samson, bro, Delilah's bad news. She's not for you. Like, that's not a good girl. Like, it's dead It's dead even. Like, you can see that. You can see it right away. The red flags are popping up. But yet, for some reason, Samson keeps going. Samson's like, no, nah, she'll change. You ever had a friend like that where you're dating somebody, and you're like, hey, she's bad news. You're like, no, nah, you don't know her like I do. She's going to change, or he's going to change. They never change. And that's how Samson's kind of perceiving this right now. It's like, bro, not once, not twice, but three times homegirl tied you up. Like that, exactly. Like it's not a good thing. But yet he kept going back to her. Why? Because he was led by feelings, not by truth. He was led by the emotions that were coming within him. He was led by maybe the way Delilah looked. Maybe he was like a junior high boy saying, oh, my gosh, she's the most beautiful girl I've ever met in my life. But he's being led by emotions. And it's funny, though, because we can look at this story of Samson and Delilah, and we can think to ourselves, man, I see that from a distance that Samson's in the wrong relationship. And maybe even for us in today's world, we can look at some of our friends and be like, oh, that's not going to last. That's just not going to last, or that's going to end in a bad breakup. Trust me, I've, been, I've seen this happen. Or maybe even your parents, your parents could be like, hey, Maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with those kids or those friends of yours. Or maybe your parents are like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be going out and doing that because it's going to, it's not going to end good. But yet we do in any ways because we're led by emotions. It's funny how we can see this in Samson's life. And we can look at Samson's life and think, Samson, you're an idiot. But the question I want to ask us right now is this. Why is it when it comes to mind in your life, and moments and situations like this come up, why can't we see it? Why can't we see it coming? Why can't we see that relationship is just not a good relationship for us? Why can't we see it that that friend group is just not a good friend group from us? Because just like Samson, we can be blinded by our feelings and our emotions. We're humans. We do this all the time. You know, the Bible says that the heart, where our feelings or our emotions really comes from, our heart 
is wicked and deceitful. Wicked and deceitful. So if you go up to a girl, you go up to a guy and you say, I love them with all my heart. <laughs> Are you insulting them? Like, what does that mean? But our heart can be wicked and deceitful. The emotions that we fall through, the feelings that we get can sometimes lead us down a dark path. And we see this true in Samson's life. If Samson just would have went with the truth that was right in front of him, he wouldn't have been in this situation. Now you might think, well, what's the truth? What's the truth? It's simply put like this. The truth is the word of God. Every, I said this last, uh, two weeks ago, this Bible is our moral compass. This Bible is where we get good from bad from. For the whole entire world. The whole entire world. That's funny because I always think to myself, if an atheist ever came up to me, an atheist being someone that does not believe in God, ever came up to me and be like, I, I can't believe you actually read that Bible. How can you believe everything in it's true? I'd go up to him and be like, hey, if I shot you, would that be wrong? Well, that's weird. Of course that's wrong. That's just morally wrong. And then, I, and then they would probably respond, well, yeah, that's, that's bad. Why guess what, where we get that from? The thing you don't believe in. This Bible, guys, the truth, it's our moral compass for every single one of us, whether you know that or not. So instead of being led by our feelings like Samson was, let's start being led by the truth. If we want to see this year be a year we grow through, let's stop following feelings and start following truth. It's plain and simple. Open up this word. Download the Bible app. Start reading it. Start reading it. Now, my second point that I have for us tonight, guys, is this. The second point is <laughs> this point. I, I was wrestling with this point um, <laughs> the other day. The other day, I, I titled this point, Hey There, Delilah. They're all good. I was like, I was hoping someone would get that song. Like, hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New um, I guess what I was hoping for. But I, I, texted, I texted Robert. I was like, hey, like, I don't think that's going to be the point. Let's change this point to we have, like, so much in common. And you have to say it like that. Point two is this. We have, like, so much in common. You ever hear that before? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, but this message has become like a dating message. I, I don't know why. <laughs> but it's like we have like so much in common. We both love sports. Our favorite color is blue. <laughs> but we can get caught up into that. And it's funny because I'm sure that's exactly what Samson was thinking. Samson was like, we have so much in common. But yet he didn't really see that at the end of the day, yeah, they might have had some stuff in common, but it wasn't good. You see, there's two things from the text that we just read that we can see that Samson and Delilah had in common. The very first thing they had in common was this. They were both in love. They were both in love. It says in the Bible right away that Samson was in love with Delilah. Samson loved Delilah. You know, in the Bible, it never says that Delilah loved Samson back. Yeah. <laughs> but it never says that, or that Delilah loved Samson back. Even though Samson loved Delilah with everything he had, would give up everything, 
would give up his strength, telling her the real secret that we'll read in a little bit to why his strength, why he's so powerful. All because of love. And you see what's funny and ironic is this. Even though that they both had something in common, they both loved something, Delilah did not love Samson, but instead Delilah loved money. That's why she gave him over to the Philistines. Saying, I'll come to you with a 100 or 1,100 pieces of silver from each of us if you tell us what truly makes Samson so strong. She gave up Samson for some money. Now, from the great theologian, I'm playing he's not a theologian, but from the great Kanye, you might say that Delilah was a gold digger. I'm going to say she a gold. Okay. Um, but that's exactly what Delilah was. She wasn't driven by love. She was driven by money. And from reading that, we see the other thing they have in common. In both Samson and Delilah's life, they both have something else besides God at the center of their life. Samson had Delilah at the center of his life, meaning that anything Samson would do, he would make sure it revolved around Delilah. You ever meet some friends like that? That like you ask your, your homie, like, hey, can we go hang out? No, I'm going to go hang out with Becky tonight. And then the next night, it's like, hey, you want to play Madden? No, I need to FaceTime a lady. Like, like you, you, we've seen this happen so many times, and that's exactly where Samson's at. All because Samson had Delilah at the center of his life. And the same thing when it comes to Delilah. Delilah didn't have Samson, but Delilah had this idea of money at the center of his life, or her life. And I started thinking about this last night. I got home from quarantine youth, if you watch, shout out to you. But I got home from quarantine youth, and I, I got in bed, it was about like 11 o'clock, and I, I'm scrolling through my notes for tonight's message. And I believe God dropped this idea, God dropped this thought on my mind to share with you, because maybe for some of us in here tonight, we don't have God at the center of our lives. Maybe we have something materialistic. Maybe it is a relationship. Whatever it is, you know what is at the center of your life. But as I started thinking of both Samson and Delilah, I started thinking their actions. Everything that we read about in chapter 16, their actions, was all driven by what was in the center of their life. Everything that Samson did was driven because of Delilah. And everything Delilah did was driven because of money. And it made me start to think, what could it look like? If we truly had God at the center of our lives, what could we accomplish? What good could we do in this world? Like when you really think about it, it was like so true to me last night. It just was like so just clear that whatever is at the center of our life dictates how we act, dictates how we, how we respond to people, dictates what we do on the weekends. Whatever is at the center of your life does that. And you might think to yourself, well, Charlie, how do I know if God's at the center of my life? Look at what you're doing. Does it please God? Or is it far away from God? That will be a clear indication of what's at the center of your life. A clear indication. Now, I didn't expect anybody to be like, oh, come on, Charlie, that's good. Because to be honest with you guys, there's moments in my life, and I know for a fact there's moments in your life where God can leave the center of my life, and I can play something in there like a snap. Easy. I'm not coming here to condemn anybody. I'm coming here just to shine some light on this. 
Because I want this year to be a year we grow closer to God. I want this to be a year where God ends up at the center of our life and nothing else. I'm not saying it's bad to have a relationship. I'm not saying it's bad to have friends or it's bad to have dreams. But when we place those things over God, that's when it becomes bad. That's when it becomes bad. So let's check our heart tonight. Where are we at with that? And right now we're going to jump into point three, the last point. And the last point to this, the band can start heading up. Point three is merry-go-round. Who's been on a merry-go-round before? Merry-go-rounds are dope. But, like, you can get, like, on a, like a real bougie one, like one that have, like, the, the horses that actually go up and down in Riverside. We're so hood that we just had one that went in circles. And uh, that, that was, that's all we got. And it's funny because I told Robert this morning, I was like, man, I really wanted to call point three the merry-go-round effect. But if you were with us two weeks ago, I called the message the ladder effect, and I brought a ladder out, and I would be like, everyone's expecting me to bring, like, a merry-go-round around. I'm like, I don't got that kind of money. Like, we can't do that. But point three, merry-go-round. And you're going to see exactly why we titled point three merry-go-round in the next few verses. And these next few verses are arguably one of the, some of the saddest verses, saddest collection of verses in the Bible. And I closed my Bible because I can't even read it right now. So let's put those verses up on the screen. The verses say this. Should be starting in verse 18. Thank you, Jacob. You're the best. All right. Delilah realized, oh, by the way, Samson had finally told Delilah what it is that made him so strong. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time. She said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Ooh, let's go. Make me sound holy. I like this. Next verse. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. Next verse. When he woke up, he thought, this is, this is the sad part. When he woke up, he thought, I'll do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. Next verse. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is that one we just read right now. I believe it's verse 19 or 20. Saying that when Samson woke up, he had no idea the presence of the Lord left him. Reminds you guys, Samson was set apart from birth to be a great follower of God, to be a leader for God, to rule nations, to, 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 to help his people. And all because this girl came into his life, this happened. But it's funny that it, 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 I can sit here and point the blame at Delilah, even though some of it, a lot of it's her fault. When you look all the way back at chapter 13, when we first start hearing about Samson, from the get-go, 
Samson wasn't truly living his life with God at the center. He was living off of his emotions rather than truth. Chapter 13, I believe it's like verse 13 too. It said that Samson saw a girl, not Delilah. Again, he was a junior high student. He saw a girl and said, I like her. Went to his parents, said, go get her for me. Could you imagine walking through your school hallways and being like, I like her. I'm going to tell my dad and my mom, hey, can you get me her? They don't work like that anymore. But that's exactly what he did. He said, go get her for me. His mom said, no, 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 look at Samson. She's not a part of us. She's not a part of our clan. She's not a part of the people you have the ability to date. Is there anybody else? Samson said, no, it's her. Why? Because he's being led by his feelings. He was being led by his emotions rather than truth. So we see from the start in Samson's life, in the start of Samson's life, he was, he was not following what God had in store. And the reason why I wanted to title point three, the merry-go-round, is because this. From the get-go in Samson's life, Samson was dabbling in sin, doing things he knew he shouldn't be doing, but he kept doing it, kept doing it, and kept doing it. It's kind of like you're in a merry-go-round. Like the ride's somewhat cool after like the 50th time of going around and around and around, and you're just like, I'm ready to get off of this thing. But when we dabble in sin, when we continue to go back to sin, go back to sin, go back to sin, there's no growth in our life. There's no movement in our life. All we find ourselves doing is being on a, stuck on a merry-go-round, going around and around and around. And we sit back and ask ourselves, and I'm going to get real with us right now. We can sit back and ask ourselves, man, the year 2020 sucks. This pandemic, I feel like I'm just stuck at home. I feel like I'm not growing. Let me tell you this. Maybe it was not the pandemic that the reason why you're growing. Maybe it's because you continue to dabble in sin and you are stuck. And again, I'm not coming here to, to, to sit here and condemn anybody. I've been there. I know how it feels. I know how it feels not to be able to give up porn. I know how it feels to be addicted. It sucks. It truly sucks. But I'm sharing this tonight to shed some light on it. If we don't want to be stuck in 2020, if we don't want to be stuck on the merry-go-round effect, let's stop. Let's get off the ride. Let's stop dabbling in sin. Let's stop. And as I close right now, there was something that came to me last night when I came home, and I was sitting there reading the notes. I don't know if this is for somebody tonight. I just feel like it is, and I wanted to put it in here. But can we put verse 19 back up on the screen? Verse 19 says this. And I believe this is another sad, sad verse. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent the Philistine rulers come back one more time. That's not the verse. I pulled it up on my phone. Don't worry. Maybe I will. Anybody have Judges on them right now? Ah, found it. Judges chapter 16, verse 19. says this. Verse 19. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man 
to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. The thing that stood out to me after this verse and reading it, and I, I, it was like wrestling with me. I was like, God, what is it? Like this verse stood out to me. What is it that you want me to share? And now we can all attest to this. We're not perfect. We're not Jesus. Whenever I do something that I know I shouldn't be doing, whether it's like stealing cookies from the cookie jar as a kid, or maybe it's telling somebody like a deep, dark secret that maybe I shouldn't have told them because they can go out and gossip about it. I, I have a hard time sleeping at night. Like I have such a hard time sleeping at night, like whether it's, a, it's an act or whether it's like something that I shared. I like get anxiety almost, and, and I have a hard time being able to come down. Maybe it's just me. But I find it interesting because Samson had just told Delilah the secret behind why or how he could be so strong. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Samson, I, there was no way I'd be able to fall asleep in Delilah's lap. I'd be anxious. I'd be like, homegirl already tried to tie me up three times. Like, this, this, this doesn't make sense. But you see, when we find ourselves on the merry-go-round, just going around and around in sin, not doing anything, there can be moments where we're like Samson and we fall asleep in the enemy's lap where we become so numb to the sin in our life, where we can, do, we can just commit a sin and we can do something bad and not even have any remorse to it. And that's exactly what Samson's doing. Samson's been in the game way too long on this merry-go-round to the point where he's become so numb to the fact that, hey, I don't even know if I'm a follower of God anymore, but all I know is I got my strength to the point where he had no idea that the presence of God had left him because of what he was doing. And I want to get this clear because I know some of us might think, well, oh my gosh, I thought God was supposed to be a loving God. How could he just leave Samson? Let me tell you this. God never left Samson. Samson left God because of his actions, because of the way he was living. It got to the point where he thought he didn't need God anymore and he pushed him to the side. And if we want 2020 to be a year we grow through, we cannot fall into the same trap Samson did. We cannot stay on that merry-go-round if we're on it right now. We need to hop off. And if you're thinking to yourself, man, Charlie, I've been on it. I just don't know how to, I don't know how to get off of it. Come talk to me. Come talk to a leader. That's why we're here. But tonight, if you're in that place right now, if you feel like there's just sin that I feel like I cannot break, And I know some of us here have that. Let us pray for you. Tonight, I want to pray for exactly that. I want to pray for some breakthrough in some of our lives. There's been some strongholds. There's been some walls built up. Well, we don't even know if we're a follower of God or if we're not a follower of God anymore. We don't know if the presence of God is with us or the presence of God has left us. And that's not how I want 2020 to be remembered for every single one of you guys. Last thing, I'm sorry. I know it's late. Can I tell you a secret? Sweet. I love my job. I know that's not a secret, but I love my job. I love being able to come out here and hang out with you guys. I love that the church let me buy this skate equipment so you guys can skate. 
I love being able to have these games out here. I love being able to record myself because I'm full of it. Um, But I love my job. But there's some things I hate about my job. One of the things that I hate about my job is this. When I see students, you, show up on Wednesday nights, I get, I get to follow you on Instagram. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. They go to Santiago or they go to Centennial or they go to Norco Intermediate. And the list can go on and on and on. But I see that and I get to follow you guys. We get to build a relationship after a few weeks or maybe in a few months. And then you, some students stop showing up. And I'm like, man, where'd that person go? Where'd Becky go? But I start thinking those things. And then I see on their Instagram stories that they're out at, at a party. They're out doing who knows what. But it's everything but following Jesus. And that breaks my heart. And I sit there and I'm like, God, why? Why is this? Why does these things happen? And after reading that, I see why. Because maybe we show up on Wednesday nights and we act like we have a relationship with Jesus. Just like Samson acted like his strength came from God even though it didn't. He was so far away from God. And maybe for some of us here tonight, we come to Wednesday night services. We tuned in to Youth Live. We acted like we had a real authentic relationship with Jesus, but we were so far away from him. And tonight, there's two things I want to pray for. One, breakthrough in some of our lives, and two, to get back on track with God. To stop going off of our feelings and our emotions and start going off on the truth. To stop thinking there's there's so much in common or whatever that second point was. But to stop and place whatever it is at the center of our lives, put it to the side and put God back there. The way God intended it. And then we break off this merry-go-round effect. So right now where everyone's at, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes and I'm going to pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for who you are. The ability that we have to be able to be here tonight and be able to worship you, to be able to grow closer to you. God, we love you. But God, I specifically pray right now, if there is any student here, whether it's their first time or whether they've been here since the beginning, God, I pray right now that if they're stuck on this merry-go-round where they feel like they keep dabbling in sin, dabbling in sin, dabbling in sin, and they can't break it. God, we pray right now you're a Holy Spirit run down on this place. God, that we believe you can do miracles. We read about it all the time, and we are believing tonight that you can still perform miracles. So God, let your Holy Spirit run down on this place. God, let there be moment of breakthrough in some of our lives tonight. And God, I pray right now, if there's any of us in this room right now that we might feel like Samson, where we've had a relationship with God, quote, unquote, but we don't act it out outside of Wednesday nights, God, I pray for them right now. That they don't end up like Samson. That they don't look back on their life and think, man, what could have been if I just kept following God? If I got off the merry-go-round and started 
pursuing you, God. So if you're here tonight and that spoke to you, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. When you raise your hand, you are declaring to God, saying, God, I'm messed up just like everybody else. But God, I'm admitting it right now that I need you in my life, that I need you at the center. So if that's you here tonight, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, nobody's looking. Two, this is a moment between you and God. Three, if that's you here tonight, you want to get off that merry-go-round effect, you want to give your life back to God, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You guys can put your hands down. Father God, you saw every hand raised in this room and this outdoor arena. God, I pray tonight that you come down on this place that your spirit will start flowing through those that said, you know what, I admit it. I don't have my life together, but I know somebody that does, and I get to place my faith in them, and that's you, God. So, God, I pray right now for everyone that raised their hands, whether they need a breakthrough, whether they need to get off that merry-go-round, or whether they just need to stop acting and start doing and start following you. God, we pray for them. God, I pray right now that you give them the boldness that after service, after we sing this song, Reckless Love, God, that we will be able to come and they'd be able to come and talk to a leader, ask for prayer, ask, ask how things are going, and be able to have follow-up. Because this life was never meant to be done alone. God, that's why when you saw Adam in the garden, you said he needs a helper. He needs somebody else, and you created Eve. God, life was never meant to be done alone. So for anybody out here that feels like they're going to be doing this alone, you're not. Not only is God on your side, but we are too. So God, we thank you for this night. We praise you. And it's in your name we pray. And we all said, amen. Where you're at right now.